Hello, welcome to Workplace Wake Up. I'm Jen Shaw. Every week, I spend about 15 minutes covering legal developments, introducing you to interesting guests, and providing some entertainment to start your workday. Hello, everyone. We're going to talk about another important court decision here today. It's a decision of the California Supreme Court called Naranjo versus Spectrum Security Services, Inc. Now, this is a very important wage hour decision for California employers, and it relates to Labor Code Section 226.7. Now, we've talked about that provision before. It's the law that requires employers to pay employees who are not provided a compliant rest break or meal period one hour of what they call premium pay. And the premium pay must be paid at the employee's regular rate of pay, not their base rate of pay, unless the base rate is the same as the regular rate. So remember, as we've talked in the past, the base rate is the base hourly rate that the employee receives if they receive additional compensation during the pay period, such as a bonus or an incentive, that amount needs to be factored into the regular rate of pay. Remember, the regular rate only matters for non-exempt employees because for exempt employees, they're gonna generally be paid a fixed salary that is not subject to variation based on the quantity or the quality of the work. So back to the California Supreme Court's decision in Naranjo. What the court said there was that the Labor Code Section 226 premium pay is a wage and not a penalty. Now, why does that matter? Well, there are a couple of really important reasons. First of all, because the 226 premium pay is considered a wage, it is subject to waiting time penalties and must be included on wage statements. So let's talk about waiting time penalties first. Under Labor Code Section 203, if an employer does not timely pay a departing employee's final pay, the employee is entitled to one day's wages for every day that it is late up to a maximum of 30 days. If this premium pay under 226.7 is considered a penalty and not a wage, it isn't subject to 203 penalties. But the court in Naranjo said it is a wage. Therefore, if you have not provided your employees appropriate premium pay for non-compliant rest breaks or meal periods, you are not only going to be subject to the statutory penalties, but also waiting time penalties, right? That up to 30 days of pay. So it matters that you pay these things correctly. And going forward, What's going to be important is to make sure that you are really looking at your compliance for rest breaks and meal periods and that you're paying these premiums when they're applicable. Now, also remember, if you are dealing with an issue like this right now where you've got 226.7 premiums that are due and you didn't pay the waiting time penalties, you're, you're going to potentially be required to do so as part of any settlement or certainly any uh, finding by a court. So just remember, it does matter if they're wages or penalties, and the Naranjo decision makes clear they are wages. 
Now, the other thing that comes up because of the characterization of the 226.7 uh, premium pay as a wage is the fact that they have to be listed on the wage statement. Remember that Labor Code Section 226 here in California requires that you list all compensation that is received by the employee during that pay period on the wage statement. Because these premiums, the 226.7 premiums are in fact wages, you have to list them out separately on the wage statement so the employee can tell that they received premium pay. Now remember, you only owe the premium if you precluded the employee from taking a compliant rest break or meal period, all right? So if they choose not to take a timely rest break or meal period, or they come back early, or they just skip it all together, you don't owe them the premium and you need to discipline them for not following your policy. Why is that so important? Because what the courts have said is, if you're not disciplining people for failure to follow your rest break and meal period policy, you're really not encouraging compliance. You're really not making sure that your employees understand the importance of taking those rest breaks and meal periods. As some of you may remember back to the Brinker decision several years ago, a large portion of that opinion was focused on the safety reasons that it's important for employees to take those rest breaks and meal periods, especially if they're gonna work a long shift. So on your wage statement, you must have line items for things like hours worked, overtime, premium pay, etc. Now, the other thing that is important about this decision relates to the US Supreme Court's decision in the Viking River Cruises case that came out in mid-June. We talked about that on the podcast, and it was very important to understand that this is another reason why you want to have an arbitration agreement. After the Viking River Cruises decision, really any employer with more than, let's say, 30 employees, there's no magic number, but that's about what we're looking at, should have an arbitration agreement that is properly drafted and properly reviewed by an experienced employment lawyer. Why is it so important? Because you can eliminate substantial liability for private attorney generals act claims, PAGA claims here in California, if you have a validly drafted and enforceable arbitration agreement. So it's definitely worth the time, energy and resources to do that. The other thing to remember about wages and penalties is they have a different statute of limitations. So when you're dealing with a wage issue, the statute of limitations is generally going to be three years. A penalty, on the other hand, is going to have a one-year statute of limitations. So that becomes very important when you're assessing risk for a potential claim or you're in a situation where you're trying to settle an allegation that somebody has made about a wage hour issue, you need to know what your statute of limitations is so you can assess how far back to go to cover that settlement. So very important to keep that in mind. Now, the other thing that I think the Naranjo case makes clear and it's important is that employers have to pay attention to these legal developments. Remember that court decisions are usually retroactive 
and statutes are usually prospective. So when a court issues a decision like Naranjo, it's telling employers, this is what should have always happened. We're interpreting this as, this is what you should have done in the first place, all right? So you've gotta have a way of keeping track of these decisions. And it's important to, for example, join us for our legal update at the end of the year. We cover all of the important decisions. I'll give you more information on that as the year progresses. But to have a resource that you can rely on to give you this information, because as we all know in human resources, you've got to be able to bob and weave, right? You've got to be able to go with whatever the new developments are in the legal arena. And you have to understand the implications. It's not enough to just say this case came out, but what does it mean? And that's one of the things that I really try to focus on in this podcast is when we look at a legal issue, what does it mean? What should we be doing about it? So back to Naranjo, what do I want you to do about it? Three things. Number one, you need to do those wage hour audits. You've got to know what your potential liability is. We talk about this a lot. I cannot overstate the value of a properly done wage hour audit. Obviously, important to do it with legal counsel so you get that privilege and you don't have to disclose the results, but you need to know what universe you're in, right? You need to understand that. Also, when we look at this decision, It's important to make sure your handbook is properly updated. I think a lot of us tend to get a little bit um, tired, understandably so, of constantly updating our handbook. So we think, okay, well, maybe I could just do it once every couple of years, or maybe I don't really have to do it. I could just have a very broad brush handbook and I don't really have to worry about it. Some of you may know that when Nordstrom first had a handbook, there was one sentence in it, do the right thing. That was it, do the right thing, nothing else. Now, of course, in the years since, uh, Nordstrom has had to significantly update their handbook because California and federal law have a lot of requirements for what needs to be included. But this decision makes very clear that you've got to ensure that people are given the opportunity to take their rest breaks and meal periods. And that's your job to figure that out as the employer. So that becomes a very important aspect of what we're looking at in terms of your compliance efforts, how you make sure that you are doing everything you can to get employees to comply with wage hour laws and more importantly, your policies, right? What are you telling them that they need to be doing? The third thing about this decision is finding a good resource, making sure that you've got a resource you can rely on to get this information in a timely manner. Uh, We, of course, have this podcast, we have a blog, we have a newsletter. Find the resources you can rely on and then use them. Because one of the things that happens is that we get so busy we have so much going on in our work lives that it is really hard to keep track of what needs to be done. And unless you have a method for jotting down developments 
and I have a chart. You know, here's the development and here's what I'm going to do about it. Unless you've got something that like that in place, it's really hard to stay on top of things. No matter how hard you're working, no matter how committed you are to the profession. So I want to encourage you to come up with a protocol, a methodology in your organization that really helps you keep track of all of these developments. So remember, Labor Code Section 226.7 premiums are wages. Therefore, you've got to pay them out in a timely manner. If you fail to do that, you can be subject to waiting time penalties, and you've got to include them on those itemized wage statements. All right, everyone, keep up the good work, and remember, always do the right thing. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to spread the word, please share it with others, post about it on social media, and or rate and review it. Of course, you can also follow us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter, and email us at info at Workplace Wake Up, including its guests and hosts, do not provide legal advice in this podcast. Do not act upon any of the information discussed in this podcast without consulting a licensed attorney in your jurisdiction.